0: This week on Dig Me Out. With your hosts, Jason Ziak and Tim Minici.
1: Jay, it's hot here in Columbus, Ohio. How is it down in Austin, Texas? (laughs) What do you think?
0: It's been 100 degrees for at least a month, probably two months.
1: Well, we hit 95 today here in Columbus, and then our power went out. So that was fun. We lost power for about four hours, which the temperature in the house went up to the end of the 80s. Luckily, our refrigerator was fine because we we didn't open it or anything. Yeah, I'm not not a fan of this global warming, Jay. I thought I was on board with it getting warmer, with having less winter. But uh, I think I'm going to changed my mind on that i think i'm gonna be, be be anti-global warming
0: you finally came around
1: yeah i finally have decided that now that it's impacting me it's yeah. not an, it's not
0: cool it's so american
1: <laughs> i heard that it gets to like 129 degrees in some couple of places in like the middle east that's crazy i mean that's, yeah. just, that's just too hot
0: uh you would think things would start melting at that point
1: Well, I believe when it gets over 100, I've heard from people that have been out like in Las Vegas that like if they're wearing like rubber-soled shoes and they're walking along like black asphalt and it's like 105 degrees out, their shoes will start to stick to the asphalt because the rubber will actually become like tacky. Yeah.
0: Um,
1: That's not the only thing that's tacky in Las Vegas. (laughs) Boom! Yikes.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I mean it typically – you know – it's pretty much, I, this is my third summer here, so it's it's at 100 for at least two months, sometimes longer. So you definitely see things that get left outside. They wear out pretty fast. You, you got to, like, get your car under a in, in a garage or under a carport, you know. You just stuff, uh, stuff weathers a lot faster and that sort of thing. But, yeah, I haven't had any shoes melt yet.
1: That reminds me, Jay, I'm going to be pitching on Shark Tank, a mobile carport that uh-huh. attaches to your car. And wherever you drive, you have a carport above you so that whenever you park, like, say, in a grocery store parking lot, there's just a carport, you know, right above you at all times. So if it's 105 degrees outside, doesn't matter. You got a carport.
0: <laughs> Good luck. You're like
1: <laughs> the next Elon Musk. I am. I'm the Elon Musk of mobile carports. All right.
0: Enough. when we have autonomous cars, we won't need glass in them, so they can just be, you know, just a hundred percent.
1: Just be a box. I mean, it could just be a like little... a
0: little, like coffins, <laughs> right?
1: Yeah, I mean, if you if you expire in the car, it'll just drive you into the graveyard and park you right into the sure spot. That's a great idea. I try didn't uh didn't the Munsters drive like a coffin car
0: uh yeah kind of was wasn't it yeah had a big uh a big shifter
1: yeah <laughs> well we are so far from yeah. where we need to be let's 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 get this show back onto the music uh road and uh speaking of cars and uh a couple of weeks ago we had a opening in our schedule where we realized we we're going to have an opening in our schedule for the first week of August, we weren't going to have anything scheduled. So we decided on our Patreon page to put up some options and let our Patreon subscribers vote on which record we were going to review. And we made mention of this, that it was going to be, you know, on our Patreon page on Facebook and Twitter and whatnot, but we, we gave them five records They had been released in August of 1996. We're doing 20 years since these were released. And the five records that people got to vote on were the Cardigans first band on the moon better than Ezra's friction, baby, the eels, beautiful freak Lowe's The curtain hits the cast and the queers don't back down. Those were five bands. We had not reviewed their records. We might've talked about, in passing here or there, but we never got into any of them specifically. Like I said, we put it up for a vote, and the winner was The Curtain Hits the Cast by Lowe. So that's what we're going to be reviewing this week. So, Jay, let me ask you, were you familiar with Lowe before this?
0: Yeah, I, was, I, I, I knew about the band. I can't say that I spent a ton of time listening to them, um, okay. but I kind of knew the gist of what they were about and basically the quietest band on earth.
1: Exactly. Although the, the stories of people
0: getting hushed at, con- at their concerts and whatnot.
1: Well, Jay, I'd like to inform you that I was one of those.
0: <laughs> there you go. That's how I know then.
1: So my story with Lowe is, and I, I haven't actually listened to any of their albums prior to this. I probably heard some songs here or there, but as far as like sitting down and listening to a whole record, hadn't happened. But oh. I had seen them live in fall, I guess it would be September – of 96, I went to the College Music Journal Festival. I've mentioned this in previous shows. Uh, I went with our music director at WFAL, John McCarty. He was the music director. I was the assistant music director. We went out to the festival in New York City. covers like three or four days of bands and various uh, college music programming, which included like panels and documentaries and whatnot. And then a lot of like, you know, going out to shows and meeting people from labels and radio stations and prom- promotional companies and all those AR people, all that kind of stuff. So we went to the uh, legendary knitting factory in New York to see low. The opener was Vernon Reed of living color who was just playing solo. And then I think he had, uh, my memory might be a little hazy. It's been 20 years, but I think he had like somebody with him who was either like, just doing like keyboard stuff like loops and whatnot or might have been like just playing piano but he was just doing like a jazz kind of influenced uh you know psychedelic uh you know there wasn't it was free form basically it wasn't like him doing living color songs on an acoustic guitar like he was playing electric but with no band Uh awesome so so that was interesting sure and then low played and this is the situation where i got hushed so for Vernon Reed, there's like a there was like a balcony in the Nuding Factory, I, I believe if I have my venues correct, and we were up in the balcony, and then we went down onto the floor where Lowe was playing, and people were like sitting on the floor, which is not uncommon for what I'm told, watching Lowe play very quietly, and I turned to John to start talking to him and I got shushed as if I were in a library and I was speaking to someone too loudly so that was my experience with Lowe. It was very quiet. They played very quietly.
0: <laughs> okay. What what did the what's the fan uh, the Low fan look? What is what is that like? Like,
1: well, it's that's hard because that was an industry, you know, showcase type yeah. deal. Uh-huh. You know, they had obviously because it was fall of this year, and Lowe had just put out a record, which is the one we're reviewing. The curtain hits a cast came out. August, I don't know what week in August, but so it really only been out for a couple weeks. So it made sense that this this was the album they were supporting. So they played this show. You know, it was a lot of people like I was from college radio stations dressed in my, you know, you know, ripped jeans and flannel shirts and <laughs> whatever, you know, stereotypical 90s outfit they sure. were wearing. But you know much more the respectful respect- than i apparently
0: the reason i ask is just the the notion of you're hushing people it i don't know it just brings an air of this music is very important
1: yeah right <laughs> very serious like shh i must hear every note well it wasn't i don't think it was that it was just they were playing so quiet that if anybody talked they were louder than the band yeah so you couldn't even hear the band let alone whether or not they were important or not it was just it was so so incredibly quiet. So I want to talk a little bit of history so that you and I are, are, are caught up on.
0: History of the band.
1: So the primary lineup or the first lineup that formed in 1993, uh, Alan Sparhawk on guitar and vocals. And John Nichols on bass. They ended up bringing in Mimi Parker, which is Alan Sparhawk's wife, on drums and vocals. So this is the interesting part, Jay, and it'll help you give an idea of, like, where the whole concept of this band came from. So Sparhawk was playing in a band called Zen Identity um, with two guys, Rob Berry and Bill Walton. And they needed to add a bass player, so they recruited this guy named John Nichols, who played in a band called Lorenzo's Tractor. And Sparhawk was given the... Um, I guess the job of explain, like teaching all the songs to to John as he joined the band. So they started getting together and just you know learning. He was showing him all the parts and whatnot, and then they would start screwing around and they were joking around about how you know everything in 1993 was grunge and it was loud and it was post punk and you know if that makes sense. It's 1993. We're talking about you know Pearl Jam, Nirvana, Alice in Chains, Soundgarden. Stone Temple Pilots, all that kind of stuff. And they were like, well, we should play really, you know, instead of playing really loud, we should do a side project where we just play like really, really slow. It would be just like a joke. We play really slow and really quiet. So they was just the two of them, and he's like, well, my wife can kind of play drums. She'll Why doesn't she play, and she can sing and stuff. So she just plays at this point just a cymbal and a floor tom with brushes, and that's it. Yeah. So they start playing shows and um when you know people are like what the f-, you know what's going on and start heckling them they turn their guitar amps down even lower and and whisper even softer to piss off the people who are yelling at them for not okay. playing So basically it basically was there being antagonistic. It's it's kind of funny cuz y- you don't think of it but it was almost punk. Sure. In the way that they approached it. Yep. So John Nichols was in the band. Uh, They signed to uh, Vernon Yard, which was an imprint of uh, Virgin Records, which is also uh, the Verve we're on Vernon Yard Records. They released their debut, I Could Live in Hope, in 1994. Nichols played on the record, but he ended up getting replaced by Zach Sally, who um, toured with them and then played on the next record, which was called Long Division. That was released in 1995. And then The Curtain Hits the Cast – which is an album we're reviewing, was released in 1996. All totaled, I mean, the band has basically been Alan Sparhawk and Mimi Parker for this whole time, but they've had four different bass players. From Nichols was there, the first album, 93 to 94. Zach Sally, Sally was there from 94 to 2005. Matt Livingston from 2005 to 2008. And then 2008 till now has been a guy named Steve Garrington on bass. All totaled, they've released 11 albums. The first three on Vernon Yard. Then they released three albums on the Cranky label. And then they have been on Sub Pop uh, and they've released their last five records on Sub Pop. And I don't know if you checked out any of the other recordings, Jay, but as they've been on Sub Pop, the sound has slightly changed, which we'll get into uh, maybe a little bit later. And then also those Sub Pop records have actually started charting, which is interesting, especially in the UK. They've gotten higher and higher UK chart positions. Hmm. Um, since they started out, the Great Destroyer, which was their first album on Sub Pop, charted at number seventy-two, and then the album they released last year, Ones and Sixes, charted at number thirty-five in the UK. Uh, and they, in addition to the eleven albums they've released, a number of EPs, singles, live albums, remix albums. They've been on a bunch of compilations. Uh, they've been in a lot of movies, um, including um, and TV shows. They were in Eastbound and Down. There's a show. Really? Yeah, it was a song by Low and Eastbound Down. That's the history of Low. They have a number of side projects. They have their own record label. We don't need to get on in it all that. Let's get into this record, Jay. Curtain hits the cast, 1996. Low, selected by our Patreon subscribers. Jay, tell me one thing you liked about this record.
0: The constraint or the restraint. Sorry. Yes. But, but but I guess you could say both. I mean, this is a band that started off with a concept of purposely constraining themselves, which right. can be, can yield some some interesting results. And then to be able to stick with it, at least for this record, and try to make it work with really minimal uh, ingredients. Right. I mean, the uh, format doesn't vary, um, with the exception of maybe one song, mm-hmm. where it's, starts to bring in some different types of instrumentation, but
1: are you talking about, uh, um, which, uh, track 11, do you, know, do you know how to waltz? Yep. So funny story about that song. If you read on their Wikipedia page, uh-huh. um, they perform that song live for like a radio broadcast. Okay. And they, it was live on the current, which is they're from Duluth, Minnesota. The current is, uh, a, a one of the it's like one of the, you know, remaining like indie stations. Uh they had a half hour performance. They played that one song for the entire half hour. Wow. Okay. So there you go. Interesting note about that song. Go ahead. Continue. <laughs>
0: uh I, I don't think I want to see that. Um <laughs> so I mean from that that, that uh aspect I can I can get into it i I can understand it as a designer working within constraints can be a lot of fun, and it like I said it can uh, it can force you to invent the the harmonies on this record I guess would be the second thing that
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, I would call out and and those become key I mean because there's so much space, temples are so slow and it's so quiet there's so much space that those harmonies at times um not only indicate you know dynamics and change you know the choruses or whatnot they almost become an instrument in, in that they sound a little bit like a hammond organ sometimes or they take on that kind of they feel that kind of range in the mix and take on that sort of um that sort of sound so
1: mm-hmm.
0: i thought those two aspects of the record are are pretty interesting
1: for me uh, the aspects that i liked is when they stretched um you know we mentioned do you know how to waltz which is the track 11 it's 14 minutes and 39 seconds on the record it goes into this long drone part that uh reminded me of um on well there's a, a lot of bands that have attempted to do that i mean it sounds like they're layer, layering you know delayed guitars on top of each other and causing this like loop of Drone and there's a song on Wilco's A Ghost is Born, which has this like similar like, you know, long drony, you know, 10 minute long part. And uh, I read when that album came out that Jeff Tweedy said he was trying to approximate the sound that he hears in his head when he has a migraine headache, which does not sound pleasant. OK, but it does have this like sort of weird calming effect when it's when there's no like note you can attach yourself to and it's just this long steady group of noises that rests there in this like chaos uh-huh. um and I did find myself actually enjoying that song quite a bit and there, there's there's a little bit of chaos or or not, not as much and so but song like track seven laugh which is like nine and a half minutes um again is like These songs, if you break them down, are are fairly traditional in terms of like, you know, you have verses and choruses and stuff. They're just elongated because of the tempos. Um, But when they stretch out, they kind of, you know, twist all that up so that it's not as recognizable. Um, And I did enjoy that. And I agree with you, the vocals are what's holding this all together when you're hitting, you know, one guitar or bass note. For every like 10 or 15 seconds, and it's ringing out. Um, the vocals have to carry everything. And the harmonies are what really, you know, or the harmonies, and then there's some back and forth ones too. Uh, I'm trying to remember which song, and I think it's maybe Standby, where they don't necessarily sing in harmony, but they, they sing together, just different parts. Um, I think that's the track, uh, which I, I enjoyed that. The middle of the record starts to get
0: real droney though i mean at mm-hmm. some point it's it, it's like you get lost in it um I, I really like some of the uh the tunes where there's just more chord changes i know a lot of these songs in terms of the Gangle make the constraint I, I i'm pretty sure that they play the same chords in the verses they do the chorus in a lot of the stuff so there's a couple where they where they change that up and it's uh welcome shift. Um, right. And there's just a the other couple where you know it, it's amazing when you have this much you play with this much bass and um, restraint because when you do shake it up, you really notice it. So there's a couple where uh like Cotails has this pickup sequence. you know it's just a three or four notes together, you know, and, and creating a melody. Mm-hmm. And, and when they do that, it's really like, ooh. <laughs> You know, like perk up and like dynamics, and oh, this is different. Okay. In the middle, I think standby. I do like how the vocal works in the chorus that song, but that laugh and lust gets gets in the like middle of the record um, a little too droney for me. Um, I was also like kept waiting for uh, drum wise through the whole record for for different something else to be used. I think there's one song where. There's some toms or timpani used. Yeah, coattails. Uh, It gets a little loud at the end, and they actually use some, uh, what sounds like maybe toms or something. But. um,
1: Oh, there's like a roll, like. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. Um, But it's just amazing, like listening to this as a drummer. You're just. My mind's blown Of that there's not a kick drum in this whole record. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, It's just insane. And very little hi hat. I mean, yeah, it comes in here and there, but it's very, very, very subtle. I can't imagine, like, like could you imagine record or miking, you know, running sound for this band live would be? You'd have to have like uh, the compression cranked on everything,
1: (laughs) (laughs) just so you can pick it up. Right, right. Yeah. Now I did sample a little bit of their later stuff. And they did add like fuzzy bass on some of the songs. Okay. And there are some like even – and some of these are collaborations with other artists. Um, but they did add like some electronic elements with like keyboards and, and loops and stuff like that. So, again, it's all very slow. But they did add some more textures and it was very interesting to hear different sounds in this format. And I should say that they reject – the term "slowcore," which has been okay. applied to them and like a band like bedhead, they don't like that sound or that, that term and they don't want it associated with the band. So I, you know, they're just really, really, really slow. Yeah. It's like the last song on a lot of albums is like the slow track that take you out. And like, this is an album of all that, like the whole <sighs> album is that track.
0: Yeah, I it? thought it was. I thought it was better. The, it reminded me of um, was it acetone?
1: Yep, acetone. You, w- compared to this, acetone is like a punk rock band, but yeah. they had some stuff that was a little bit faster.
0: I, I like this better, though. I mean, I, I don't know. I just felt like the the vocals on this are better, and yeah, it it just messes with it. Messes with you, but in a good way. Like I found myself. Uh, some of this stuff, imagining what it would sound like if it was a little bit faster, and you know, just kind of playing. <laughs> you have a lot of time to think when you're listening to this music <laughs> that way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? The, yeah. the the space just lends itself to uh, <laughs> to contemplation. So I, I I kept thinking like, wow, what would this sound like if it was sped up? And um, I, I I I do think it's remarkable that there are some strong melodies on here and to be able to do that with such low tempos is not easy you know there's so much i don't know if you've ever played in a band before space can be your the most terrifying thing in the world you want to fill everything with notes because just letting right letting things be open is it's very hard to get used to that wonder how long it took this band to kind of get comfortable
1: I don't know, and I, I I did the same thing with you. I I, I heard stuff, and I went, "Oh, I, like a very subtle piano part would be cool here," or "I wish they had yeah. a ham and organ like doing some stabs here," or, you know, but maybe that's the point—is that it's supposed to be so stripped down that everything that you th- hear that you think, "Oh, that would go here," it's like, "Nope, we took that out. We took that out."
0: <laughs> yep.
1: So, and it, you know, like you said, it's it, there's a commitment here that. God bless them. They stick to it. And yeah. like you said, it's the vocals. You know, Alice yeah. Barhawk and Mimi Parker make it happen because if the vocals couldn't carry these songs, there'd be nothing to listen to.
0: Yeah, I uh, I handed to him for, you know, kind of, I don't know how they came to the sound, but recognizing that, the, the, that they could pull it off of the vocal and just letting that happen because... Um I also think that, yeah, if they didn't have the vocal, the band wouldn't be as compelling, but also um I can't say that if they were louder or faster, that they would be as be more compelling either. Mm-hmm. um I guess I'd have to check out some of the later stuff to see as they mix up the sound a little bit if it if it still works, but part of what makes it compelling is just how different it is
1: so here's a question for our listeners. For those of you who are familiar with low, what's the next low record that we need to check out? So we're, you know, we're interested. This is an interesting pick that we were given by our Patreon subscribers. We know that they went in different directions in terms of, you know, adding some other elements. What's the next record that would would surprise us and be like, oh, this is much you know, it's it's the same tempo, but it's much different in terms of the approach or the instrumentation or what have you. Which which record should we go with next? Leave that leave that in our comments on our Facebook or our Twitter page, or if you're a Patreon subscriber, we'd appreciate some uh, some guidance on that because I'm interested to to listen to more. But it's you know we get into that every week. We got a new review coming up, or an interview, or a roundtable, so it's hard to spend a lot of time. You know, just going back to what we just listened to. Yep. So if there's a, if there's a particular record that people want to suggest, uh, I think we'd both appreciate that. So Jay, let's do our uh, end of the show thoughts and give our uh, rating: worthy album, better EP, or decent single. This might be a tough one. How do you rate this one?
0: I'm at an EP. Like I said, there's. Do you know how to walt? I- I, I don't have any – if that was the soundtrack to a movie, I, I could see, but I know no interest in listening to that. Um, the I could lose three or four of the super, super droney ones, and I'm probably left with you know five songs.
1: Hmm. Interesting. I'm going to go with a worthy album. Um, I could probably go with like nine or ten songs and drop two or three of them, but I, I like the droney stuff on the record maybe that's just i've been listening to a lot more of that style of music and and stuff that's a little less yeah uh, constructed you know a lot of you know recently that kind of stuff so uh-huh. i'm I maybe just because that's in the headspace where i'm at right now but I, I i like a lot of that stuff so i'm gonna go with a worthy album
0: i've been listening to journey stuff because of uh stranger things but it's been more like synthy which yeah, is more about it's more that.
1: tangerine dream then uh, yeah.
0: You know. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah it's it's about texture too you know which right yeah this band's got a little bit but for the most part the format is still you know dirty guitars and sure brush drums so the textures are you know not really the the most interesting part of it
1: all right well that is our review of the curtain hits the cast by low i want to thank our patreon subscribers for voting on that and remind everybody that you can become a Patreon subscriber going to patreon.com backslash dig me out, and you can become a Patreon patron for as little as a dollar a month to get access to such things as voting on the albums we're going to review, bonus content from episodes, and other fun stuff. And then, of course, if you join us at the 250 level, you get to pick out an album to review after 12 months which will be in the 2017 season if you want to select an album to review for the 2016 season you just head on over to digmeoutpodcast.com and you can pick one right now and of course as always if you liked what you heard please consider leaving us some positive feedback over at itunes for jay i'm tim we're out we'll be back next week with another episode of dig me out
0: Thanks for listening. You can support the podcast by becoming a Patreon subscriber at patreon.com backslash digmeout or requesting a review for the 2016 season at our request a review page at digmeoutpodcast.com.